Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor with a group practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I specialize in women as well as maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll talk about womanhood, motherhood, and a little bit of everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And don't they let me when I Thank you for joining me for the Push Through Podcast. I am so excited to have Katie Raskin here as my guest. Katie has a master's in counseling from New York University. She's also certified in perinatal mental health counseling. Um, She's certified in intuitive eating, and she's also a registered yoga teacher and holistic health coach. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you so much, Keisha. I'm so happy to be here. I really feel honored. It's great to be here. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you. Um, so in our behind the scenes talk, I've learned that you are a Georgia native. Um, so in addition to that, especially like growing up in Sandy Springs, and you also have a two-year-old son, tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah. Um, yes. Grew up here in Atlanta, um, or right outside of Atlanta. Um, I lived way out, you know, out of the South and moved out West. And I was up North for a while, up in New York. Um, but I came back down here. I wanted to be closer to my family. And, um, that's been so key in having a two and a half year old because, um, need a lot of help. Um, <laughs> I know you have two, so like, yes. you know, we hope to have another, but it's, wow, it's a lot. Absolutely. Um, I know. Like I'm, I'm very grateful to be in private practice and to be a therapist, to have like a flexible schedule. Cause I couldn't imagine, like we were talking about your son being sick, mine having his whole fiasco, um, how you could just be flexible versus like, if you had to tell your job over and over, I need to take off. I need to leave early. I need to come in late. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I don't know how people do it. How single parents, it's amazing to me. Um, it's got to be so tough to juggle all that yes okay so before we hop into your professional side um knowing that you have a two and a half year old did you always know that you wanted to be a mom or was that something that you kind of stumbled into later in life yeah um I did I think I did always know I wanted to be a mom I um I think that's you know partially all the women in my life growing up were moms. I don't really recall any, having any women in my life that weren't, um, that had a prominent role anyway. So I think that maybe partially was just what I thought you you do. Mm. Um, and then there was also a period in my life, um, a good portion, a lot of my life from like when I was in middle school up until like early thirties had a lot of disordered eating and body image issues. And there was a period where, I actually lost my period. Um, so I, and I knew, you know, you can't get pregnant if you don't have a period. Um, so that really scared me. And there was, you know, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my life trying to, you know, work on how do I get it back? And, you know, you know, trying to figure out, not knowing that the root of that was the, you know, not eating enough, not being at the right weight for my body. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but the point is, I think that, it really kind of scared me into, oh, wow, this is something I really want. And it really matters to me. And it definitely played a big part in my recovery Mm. as far as like, you know, getting back to a weight that was right for me and eating uh, enough and that. So. Wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing that too. 
Um, did, were there any um, challenges that you felt like you faced um, during your motherhood journey? Yeah, um, so I think my motherhood journey, my motherhood, motherhood journey <laughs> uh, has been one big, one big lesson in just like letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a miscarriage when I was trying to get pregnant, um, pr- you know, pretty early on got pregnant in our, in our attempts to get pregnant, had a miscarriage. Then it took us a little while to get pregnant again, a little longer than I anticipated. Um, so, you know, the fertility journey was, was, was challenging. Mm. And then, um, once I was pregnant, I had a lot of morning sickness for the first like 10 weeks (laughs) and I could eat like chicken nuggets, croissants and fruit. Oh my gosh. Things I could eat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and I remember in between clients like I'd have like a chicken nugget and like two french fries and that would be like enough food so that I wouldn't you know, sustain you for that hour yeah but not too much to you know make me more sick so um so that was tough and it also was really um like really helpful for me in letting go of a lot of food rules that I was still holding on to mm. and just kind of really surrendering to um what I, I make you know, you may ask me a little more about intuitive eating. This, you know, is really about just listening to your body and letting go of any external messages about what you should or shouldn't eat. And so I think it, it really did help me become much more embodied um, mm. with my food choices and um, you know, how I feed myself. And so, um, but, but that was a challenge for me to let go of all that. And then, um, you know, the rest of my pregnancy was pretty easy, except that Zach, my son, was breached. Mm. And so... We ended up having to do a scheduled C-section, um, which was tough for me. I had tried this, you know, spinning babies, chiropractic care. I tried everything to try to get him to flip the right direction, right. and nothing was working. So, you know, I had to kind of let go of that. Um, yeah. Which is tough. Um, I know that's hard when you have, like, the idea um, birth that you want to have and then kind of grieving that idea and surrendering to plan B or plan C. Um, I know that can be challenging sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was tough. And, um, but it, but it was ultimately like, you know, it worked out and I think it was just another, you know, instance where it was kind of like, if I let go and I surrender to what is, Mm -hmm. you know, here, like, I don't know, they can be, that can be fine too. You know, I just, just help me. It's, I think I think mother having to adjust. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and and breastfeeding was was tough for me too. I had um, demer dysphoric milk ejection reflex. Have you heard I haven't that? heard of that. What is that? It's like when you are breastfeeding and what, right when the milk lets down, there's this drop in dopamine in it. It's oh, like, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was like, I didn't know what that was for a few months, and that was a little hard. Um, and, you know, it's basically that feeling goes away pretty quick. It's like a minute or two that you mm-hmm. feel just kind of this uncomfortable you know, at the time I associated it with maybe this is like some shame because I don't have my shirt on and, you know, I, I couldn't really pinpoint why I was feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, once I realized what it was, that was really helpful. Um, and I could adjust and, and, you know, breastfeeding, I made 
just enough milk to mm-hmm. exclusively breastfeed, but we really ended up needing to supplement in order for me to not like lose my mind. So uh, yeah. yeah, another thing that I think just was kind of forced me to like let go of expectations. Um, right. Yeah. That's. Uh, did you um, when you found out about that with your letdown and how it affected like your mood? Um, was that something that your doctor? like helped you with and was pretty open and normalizing or was it something that you had to research on your own? You know, I never spoke to my doctor about it. Um, I, I can't remember exactly when I learned about it, but I was going through the um, perinatal mental health certification mm-hmm. at the time, like mm-hmm. or really soon after. So I think that's where I, I finally realized what it was. Um, yeah. That's good. That's good. And, you know, I, I do relate to that because I know when I went through the certification, although it was like so informational, like as a clinician, it was a lot of like aha moments and like remembering my own experience and, um, you know, just being able to relate to it as someone who gave birth and had a child, as well as a clinician and helping clients too. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, did you have a lot of support, um, during your postpartum experience? Um, yeah, I have, you know, my husband was really supportive and he was around, I can't remember what his paternity leave, how long it was, but it felt like a good long time. Um, my parents are local, so they, you know, my mom was helpful too. Um, and my husband's mom is not local, but she is extremely, um, you know, was eager to help. My son is our the first grandchild on both oh, sides, wow. my husband and my, my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, he was a big deal to everyone. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That's good. How do you feel like, how has, rather, motherhood changed you as a woman? Or do you feel like it has changed you in any type of way? Yeah, um, it's such a good question. I definitely do feel like it's changed. I mean, just that whole, you know, talking about how I had to let go of Mm -hmm. a timeline, you know, of expectations for how things would go, for how my body um, should respond to pregnancy, to postpartum, um, you know, letting go of of rules around food, you know, which I had been working on for years and years. um, But I think this was just the final, like, hey, you know, you got to really let go Mm -hmm. and just like... (laughs) Um, just kind of let your body do what it what wants it or needs to do and yeah. how normal for your body to change over time. That's what it is to be human and just, right. you know, so surrendering to that. So I think, yeah, and, and my husband, you know, I was just talking to him about this. He, he would say that I've loosened up around, um, you know, poop and <laughs> bodily function. <laughs> I have more of a sense of humor about all that. <laughs> so I think he'd say I'm less uptight. Um, and doesn't like motherhood kind of like when I mean I know that I'm a very like structured orderly person likes to know what's coming next a huge planner um but like when you were saying that motherhood makes you adaptable um and kind of throws that part of you out the window because like random things would just like happen out of nowhere and you just have no choice but to adapt to it in in a lot of ways (laughs) um okay so to talk a little bit about your specialty in intuitive eating um tell us a little bit more i know that you've talked about like your own experience 
um, with body image and um, being able to listen to your body and give your body what it needs. Um, but tell us a little bit more about it and what made you want to specialize in it. Um, well, you know, certainly my own experience um, pushed me to sort of like finding ways, you know, um, ways to help myself. You know, in the, I think that for a lot of my career, you know, um, to help people with things you've struggled with mm -hmm. and also to sort of like find solutions for yourself as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that I, I learned about intuitive eating um, after, as I've said, years of um, challenges with food and body. Um, and I also know, and I know this now, that I'm, I have so much privilege in my body. I'm white, I'm thin, I'm, you know, you know average to thin, I'm like um, cisgen cisgender. Um, and that people are, you know, there's so much um, weight stigma and... Um, there's, you know, other ways that bodies are marginalized, of course, race, mm -hmm. gender. Um, and so, like, I think that I felt, you know, drawn to this thing. And to feel shame in your body, that's, it's just, you know, it's something that we can't, we don't have control over. We get these false promises from diet culture and messages from the media that we have more control over our bodies than we do. And mm -hmm. um, body diversity is real. To answer the question about what is intuitive, I, I think you asked what is intuitive eating or tell more about that special mm -hmm. story. Um, so that is helping people let go of external rules around food, diets, um, but dieting can look different. I mean, there's um, wellness has taken the place of diet in a lot of ways. People getting really attached to eating clean or you know, mm. eating by certain food rules. Right. Um, and it's, it's really helping people let go of some of these external rules and learning how to eat what um, feels good in their body. Letting, you know, it's more of an embodied experience with food where you can eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full, which is really not as hard to do when you're not feeling deprived in any way mm. or like you should be eating a certain amount, you should be eating less, you should be eating more greens, you should be eating less pizza, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so so it's helping people let go of these tools, come back to what their body is telling them they want to eat. Mm -hmm. um, and helping people also, a big part of this work is sort of helping people adjust to what that means for their body. So like, does that mean that they may gain weight? In some cases it does. And um, helping to you know, um, accept that and live, still live a full life. Mm. Like letting go of some of the ideas that if they, you know, um, that if they either stay in their current body or they gain weight, that they won't be able to live as fully as they, as they hope they would. Right. And some of these false promises from diet culture that things would be better for them if they, if they lost weight or they, yeah. Right. Which I, I, you speaking about like society diet culture um we know that society is so harsh on um people who identify as women as well as what your body should look like after you have a baby and if you are this size then this is good and if you are this size then this is bad and it can be difficult for people to navigate that and i have this like love hate relationship with social media because um, I think that there's some really great parts of it, you know, to get inspired or to follow someone's work that you like or to stay connected with people or sometimes it's just fun and funny. 
Um, but sometimes some people struggle with comparison or feeling bad about themselves um, or thinking that they should look a different way when they see, oh, such and such just had her fourth child and, and she's in a size X and, and I've just had my first and I'm in a size, you know, Y. And I, I really sympathize um, for mothers that struggle with that. What tips do you have in helping any new birthing parent that may be having body image issues? How would you um, suggest that they kind of navigate that? Such a good question. Um, and there are you know, different ways that I tackle this with clients. Um, you know, one thing I'll say, there's some practical tips. Um, one of them being, you know, letting go of, like, taking breaks from social media, or, you know, making sure that you, who are you following, feel supportive to your goals and not creating more discomfort for you and your own body. Mm-hmm. Um, that's way easier said than done. Like you mentioned, I think, you you know, you see friends on there, yeah. you know, people who you may do, and it, it causes some pain, but it's, it's, you know, it's natural that we do that. Um, so I'll start with saying that I think um, being a new mom, there are so many changes that have happened. Um, you, your whole life has changed, right? Like, and there's some discomfort in that, that you lose, I mean, your body's, your body has changed. You, your relationships may be looking different with mm. friends, with your partner. Um, you, your career may look different as well. And so there are a lot of ways that we can, well, while we may love our children, um, we may not love motherhood or some of the things that come along. Mm. And I think that this, this promise of, of, um, if my body looked different, um, if I can get, you know, air quotes, get my body back, Mm -hmm. um, I'll feel more normal. I'll feel more like myself. Mm -hmm. Um, we're promised this by the media in so many ways and and from all these different directions. And so I think recognizing at the bottom of that, we may want our, our quote body back. That might be sort of in a way that we want some of the aspects of our old life back or just like that we want to feel more normal again or have some sense of like normalcy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so, so one, one, you know, thing I would I say to new moms a lot, um, people struggling with this, is that let's look at some of those things and have some, you know, compassion for all the changes that have happened and that we're going through and recognizing that some of that might be, you know, we might, it lightens the pressure that we put on our body when we can recognize that these, there are these other things that are very real and understandable, um, you know, that are just making us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And we're putting it in our body. Maybe if my body was different, I'd feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, um, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially um, like when you were saying like giving grace. Because um, I, I just feel like sometimes birthing parents can just have this uh, pressure to show up as this parent, be this patient parent, you know, learn everything about this new baby. Um, and then have this certain type of body and all of these things, you know, come with time. And it's just about like giving grace with that time and knowing that your body has gone. You birthed the whole human. I, and I still feel like that is just this out of 
the world, you know, thought to have to put your brain around it that this whole human came out of your body. Crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, you, you know, kept well, them alive, maybe from your own, you know, from your breast milk. It's yeah, it's it's unreal. It is. Um, so just like giving grace with that, I I totally agree with your point on that. Yeah, yeah, grace is a wonderful, yeah, a great word, and and um, yeah, so self compassion. I think um, the you know another thing, mindfulness. I'm really big on mindfulness. I think being able to recognize what we're you know so so often with social media, we kind of look at it throughout the day. We're not really even aware so much how it's affecting us. But when we practice mindfulness and we can kind of be more aware of our thoughts um, and what we're, what we're ingesting, in. mm-hmm. you know, taking in, thank you. Like, I think that that can help too. And then, you know, another, some other practical things like wear clothes that fit mm. and, um, and do, and don't weigh yourself and, um, you know, give yourself grace that your body is going to be different now. That's just, that's, that's makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think lastly, you know, doing the things that you want to do, even if you're not comfortable in your body, while that is so much easier said than done, like, I think if you want to go play with your, your kids in the pool and wear a bathing suit or, you know, doing these things and doing them in your here and now body can also help lighten that pressure that we put on our body, you know, mm-hmm. that it needs to look different because we can still live a full life here in this body. Um, so... That's good. Very good points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then to go back to what you were talking about with, like, the relationship with foods, I know that a lot of people can think of eating pizza as a bad thing or eating kale is a good thing. Um, How do we change our relationship with food? Because I think people have, like, the conception sometimes of, well, if I starve myself or if I go vegan or if I just have smoothies for seven days and detox, then I will have this type of body and then I'll feel good about myself versus it being like a lifestyle of healthy eating. Um, How do you help clients kind of change their perspective of how they think about that? Yeah. Um, So great question. And there are a few things in there. Um, So one thing, you know, a few things that I would want to, you know, talk about. So, so one thing is that when we put foods on a hierarchy, Mm -hmm. you know, we have good foods and bad foods. It's really normal. It's human nature to want what we can't have Mm -hmm. or what we deem as like, you know, like just not, yeah, what we we can't have. Um, I heard somebody on a podcast recently explain it like this. And I thought this really like hit the nail on the head. If you, if you bring your kid into a room full of Toys and you know every toy there, but then in the middle of it, there's this one special, special toy on top of like a you know like a um, whatever table. Let's just say table. Um, <laughs> and you tell your kid you can play with any of these toys you want, except for this toy. Mm-hmm. They're gonna want to play with that toy the right. most, and that's true for adults too. So you know when we can neutralize all food and we can you know give ourselves permission to have what we want. We gravitate more towards the foods that make us ultimately feel good. Mm. Not all the time. I mean, it's normal for you to have to have balance. You're going to eat a, a wide variety of foods, and some of them will have sugar and will have you know cheese and you know whatever food you you thought maybe was was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
but ultimately we're going to be able to come to a much more, you know, box of cookies, maybe, you know? Um, and so if we give ourselves permission, we'll, we'll ultimately gravitate towards what kind of feels best for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really removing the guilt is, is a big part of this work uh, around certain things. The way that racism and other forms of discrimination can cause health implications for mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. allostatic load, it's, you know, um, weight stigma also has a similar effect. And so um, I just, to address the, the health piece, you didn't say this, but a lot of times people assume that weight and health are correlated. And within that, certain foods become demonized too because mm. they're, you know, right. more calorie dense. And, you know, so there's just so much um, coming at us um, around weight and certain food choices being, you know, a lower weight or certain food choices being healthier that we often get caught up in in this hierarchy mm-hmm. situation where we think certain foods are better than others and um anyway i think it just it's just you know part of the conversation to pull those apart a little bit right and yeah right that's a good point when you were saying that it was reminding me of when i went on a birthday trip a few years ago to italy and I remember before going on the trip, I had thought like, oh gosh, um, I'm gonna, you know, just eat my heart out until I pass out. And I'm probably gonna come back and I'll have to reset and X, Y, Z. And I remember when I was there, it was completely different than what I thought it was gonna be because um, they serve their foods in smaller portions and um, they cook their pasta al dente, which is supposed to help with like how you digest it better. And um, their breads often don't have any salt in the ingredients, which is where the whole like saucer with the oil and um, the olive oil and like herbs are in it comes from because the bread frankly has no flavor at all. And then I felt very mindful in my eating because it was so flavorful, so good. And I'm in Italy. And I felt myself like being cognizant of when I got full versus going to Olive Garden and it being like, you know, all you can eat pasta. (laughs) And it just, it was very different. And that just really like stuck with me that I can eat what I want to eat. Um, and it not be like a bad thing, like pasta is not a bad thing, but it's like how it's made the portion and me just being very present when I eat it to just recognize when I'm full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> 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 oh, that sounds so yummy. So, yeah, like such a wonderful experience. And that brings up another um, really important piece of this is focusing on satisfaction. Mm. So, like, you know, if we if we make that the goal with our meals, um, and it, as moms, you know, parents, um, it, it's hard to always do this mm-hmm. because we're running around and it's crazy. But what, what would feel the most satisfying to me for this next meal? Um, and, you know how can I make the experience one where I can practice mindfulness? Mm -hmm. Um, Because usually if we do that, we don't, you know, if we don't do that, we're often looking for satisfaction later on, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I eat, you know, for dinner, I just kind of like 
eat a salad because I think that's what I should eat. Mm. Um, but it doesn't really satisfy me. Right. You know, later that evening, I'm going to be seeking out that satisfaction from other mm. foods around the house. Um, so that's a great point. What do you, um, any suggestions like with mindfulness? Um, like when you were talking about going to the pool, having to put on a bathing suit, not having the greatest of self image and perhaps being so consumed with how you may physically look, um, and thinking others may be looking at you or comparing yourself to others that are there or just like a lot of negative self talk. Um, and it kind of taking you out of the present of the experience in which you are supposed to be engaging in. How do you help clients or mothers kind of navigate that? Yeah, great question, because that is what comes up when, you know, we're doing this work, like, okay, now I have to actually go out in this here and now body and, um, you know, there, yeah, there can be fear and, and shame and discomfort with, you know, with doing that. So. One thing I do a lot with clients is try to identify what our what our values are, mm. uh, or what their values are, and rather, and is if one of your values is connection, and you are caught up in what my body looks like in this bathing suit, and again, this, I'm saying this with so much passion because mm-hmm. it's not like you want to be feeling that, right. but um, then you're kind of missing out on this opportunity to connect mm-hmm. um, with your kid, with whoever. Um, with your loved ones, and so telling your, identifying what your values are, and then going and what your, and I think for most people that's not, you know, if, if we're going down what your core values are, it's not going to be that I look hot in a bikini, you know, like it's it likely for people underneath that is I want to feel good in my body because I want to be able to go. What what we're promised, I think, is that that will improve our relationships and that will make us more lovable mm. and desirable. Whatever. So getting down to the root of what what are our actual values underneath us, and when I once I've identified those, how can I go out and live in accordance with those? And living in accordance with our values is inherently going to involve discomfort, mm. right? Like, um, you know, doing like. I don't know, you do so much great work in the community and this, you know, you make it look really easy and you, and come across confident <laughs> and just lovely as, as you. Why, thank you. Um, I, imagine, <laughs> I imagine that um, doing some of that work did involve like having to put yourself out there oh, and, for sure. you know, and a lot of hard work. And so living in accordance with our values does involve like some uncomfortable feelings. Um, but ultimately, it's going to lead to a more fulfilling life, right? So um, I think that putting yourself in that headspace, what are my values, how can I live in accordance with these, does going out and being in a dating suit align with those, or does, you know, not going align with those, maybe probably not so much. Right. And, you know. That's a, um, that's a good and, yeah, and then I come back to self-compassion. You know, mm. that's such a key part of this work. Is how can I relate to myself more kindly around this? How can I recognize, oh, this is hard. Like, it's hard to feel exposed in a bathing suit when I'm not feeling great about my body. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard because there's a 72 billion dollar diet industry telling me this is not okay, and you know, I'm not alone in this feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. So. Um, one more question before I ask you my last question. I had just thought about this. Um, we know in becoming certified in perinatal mental health, um, 
that have someone having experience an eating disorder can be a risk factor of them having um, postpartum anxiety or depression, um, as well as someone who has had just like self-image issues also. Um, if someone is getting ready to try to conceive or expand their family or is currently pregnant, do you have any tips for them to, or strategies that they can work on in preparing for that postpartum experience or even as their pregnancy is progressing? such a good question. I think um, is support is huge. Um, I think having, um, you know, and, and we talked about this earlier, but like in the conversation, letting social media for, you know, anything that you cushioning yourself with accounts that you're following, people around you, Ideally, if, if the resources are available, a therapist, mm. support group, um, cushion yourself with lots of positive support mm -hmm. um, because it's likely going to be hard to have your body change. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that's okay. Just getting yourself the support that, you know, as much support as you can around you that will help you to feel held and... Um, and I think, you know, in addition to that, um, telling your doctor about your history um, so that they can be more mindful about your weight. Mm -hmm. I think if that, you know, pregnancy is one of those times where I, I'm often telling clients to ask not to be weighed by the doctor or to, if they have to be weighed to not see that weight. Um, pregnancy is one of those times where it's a little harder to do that because they want to monitor the progress of the growth of the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, but if you can, if you can get your medical team to be uh, at least, at least get your doctor behind mm -hmm. you um, to help that without triggering any, you know, any additional triggering. Um, so yeah, it's your support, getting your medical team to be on board, and then. Um, I, you know, I come back to mindfulness and self-compassion constantly, mm -hmm. <laughs> but these are really, really key and helpful in, you know, not getting so attached to every thought that comes up about your body, mm -hmm. you know, while I'm thinking about thoughts, just being able to frame things as I'm having the thought that my body is going to gain weight uncontrollably, for example, not I'm gaining weight uncontrollably, I'm having mm -hmm. the thought. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, thoughts and feelings, and um, and recognizing that feelings are going to change and shift throughout the whole process, and we don't need to get attached to every single one. They're just, they're just telling you based on everything you've learned uh, up until now about what bodies should look like. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That made sense. That no, that makes perfect sense. I think um, one of many things that drew me to you. Um, we had met before in Elizabeth O'Brien's group, and then I saw your website, which is gorgeous. And then also, in just like the work that you do, like I feel like maternal mental health is one of those things that doesn't get a lot of light shine on it. Um, I think that it's becoming more of um, a priority for people and, and understanding how it's such a huge shift for any birthing parent. But I do feel like the piece in which um, your specialty is, in addition to perinatal mental health, uh, 
the intuitive eating, the body image is also like hugely like important and needed. And even just us as clinicians learning strategies to help clients with it. Cause um, you know, I've never had any training in working with clients with eating disorders. And sometimes you can have a birthing parent who doesn't have like necessarily an eating disorder, but is just like struggling with how they feel about their body. It drastically changed. Um, and then being able to say kind things to their body, or even if they have like family members who are not kind and how to respond to it or not feel bad and how that shows up and then being intimate again with their partner and um, them kind of like just being free with how, how they are existing, you know, presently. Um, I'm just so grateful that you do the work that you do and that clients, you know, have someone that is so knowledgeable in it. Um, and I, I am just appreciative of your contribution to the community. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, I think it, it's like it is such a complicated time. Uh, after birth and stuff. You know, you bring up this about being intimate with your partner. This comes up a lot with trick ourselves into thinking if I look mm -hmm. different, I would be, I would want to have sex with my partner. You right. know, I, I would feel more comfortable doing that. Um, which, yes. And also, um, there are some great resources. This this book I was just mentioning, Come As You Are. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Love it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like approaching sexual health you know, doesn't, you know, there are other ways to approach it, right? Like we can, we can come at it um, without necessarily having to change our bodies, mm -hmm. but we can work on some other things around that. But, it, but, you know, that is really tough part of this, um, this time of life is, is being comfortable again in our bodies. So, yeah. Yeah. And I know that you offer... You have offered like groups, right? Not currently, but I'm, I am going to. Um, I'm, I'm putting that together when I can. Yes, and that, that's my goal is to have groups, um, body image or postpartum. That's great. Yeah. So um, for anyone that's listening and is identifying with everything that you're talking about, how can they contact you, follow your work? Um, anticipate any rollouts of projects or events, how can they get in touch? Yeah, um, my website, katiebraskin.com, is the place to find me. Um, and there is an option there to schedule a consultation, uh, which is free. And then also, um, you can just reach out to me through the website if you have any questions. I'd be happy. Um, so, like I said, I'm not offering any groups now, but when I do, that will be up on the website. Um, and if anybody is interested, they can contact me now and I can put them on a list of people who are interested. And I'd also be happy to provide any um, referrals or resources. There are lots of great podcasts um, and um, social media accounts that, you know, and books um, on this topic of intuitive eating, health at every size. Um, so I, I'd be happy to provide people with any. I'm going to put um, all of Katie's contact info, um, her website and everything in the show notes. Um, so anyone listening can be able to click it and go to her website. And I know in your bio, like off topic from work stuff, but um, I know in your bio, you said that you watch a lot of Netflix and then you said that you listen to podcasts. What are, what are some of your favorite podcasts? Oh, great question. 
question. Um, I'm really enjoying maintenance phase right now. Mm. That's um, that's about uh, like kind of debunking so just you know on the topic of like eating and, and body, mm-hmm. um, debunking a lot of like health crazes or um, there was recently an episode on like um, Super Size Me that documentary. Yeah. Um, um, you know, like different things like that from, from the past that they just kind of research it and it's funny and it also helps to, I think, destigmatize, you know, uh, body, it, it helps with accepting that body diversity is real and to become more comfortable with um, people of different sizes. And, and cool. Um, I also love, there's some great podcasts on like raising body positive children, Full Bloom mm. Podcast being one of them. And I listen to some good parenting podcasts, um, oh, like yeah. Good Inside. Um, yeah, I know there are a ton I'm forgetting. Um, That's but. good. That's awesome. I, yeah. I too, love podcasts. I listen to um, The Daily, The New York Times, every day. But yes. sometimes I have to take a break because it'll be too heavy. Um, <laughs> but, um, yes. But I have listened to... Did you ever listen to Motherhood Sessions by... Dr. Alexandra Sachs. I love that one. That was really good. I hope it comes back because it's been on hiatus for a while, but that one was really good. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I also, when I was pregnant, I loved listening to The Birth Hour. I haven't heard um, that one. Have some down that one. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That good. Okay. And final question, what do you do for self-care? Um, so, you know, I'm human. This is not consistent every day, but I have meditation practice Ooh. that I... Um, I try to be consistent with it's only about 10 minutes in the morning but that really helps me feel grounded and it just you know as I mentioned it helps me sort of recognize thoughts as thoughts roll with changes not get so attached um, and the other thing is walking I just Ooh. I walk my dog a lot that's a really helpful grounding practice for me awesome that's awesome well, Katie, thank you so much for being on the show. So happy to have you. Um, and I look forward to everything else that you have to roll out. And thank you again. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>